Welcome to Scrubcast, where we explore clinical, translational, and health services research from Stanford University's Department of Surgery through conversations with the authors. I'm your host, Rachel Baker. Today, we're breaking from our usual format to bring you the several members of the Entrust team. Can you each introduce yourself for me? Maybe your name, place in the field of medicine, and then how you're connected to the project? Sure. I'm Dr. Kara Liebert. I'm a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Surgery at Stanford, and I am a co-PI on the Entrust platform. My name is Mohamed Al-Kadim. I'm manager of global engagement programs uh, with the Department of Surgery. Hi, my name is Tyler Wilson. I'm a Drexel medical student in my fourth year. I'm taking an educational year to work with the uh, Stanford Global Engagement Team um, to help them with the Entrust uh, platform and the UGHE cases. Hi, I'm Dana Lin. I'm a clinical associate professor in the Department of Surgery. I'm also one of the co-PIs on the project Entrust. Hi, I'm Dr. Martin Bronk, and I'm a clinical associate professor in the Department of Surgery at Stanford. Barnabas Alain, the general surgeon with the Center for Equity in Global Surgery at the University of Global Health Equity in Rwanda. I have a background in general surgery. I'm interested in surgical education. Fantastic. Thank you all so much for coming on the show. I'd like to start a conversation with a bit of background. Dr. Liebert, what is Entrust and how did it get started? Sure, so Entrust is an online virtual patient platform for assessment and learning. And this is a platform that uh, Dr. Lynn and I had collaborated on to create to allow us to assess entrustable professional activities and clinical decision-making in surgery. Back in 2020, during your Grand Rounds presentation, you mentioned that your original plan to test validity was to set up a booth at a national conference. But in light of COVID, you obviously weren't able to do that. What ended up happening? Correct, yes. Yeah. So because of COVID, uh, that was not an option to be at a national conference at that time. We have collected validity evidence here at Stanford with our general surgery residents in the Department of Surgery. And then additionally, uh, we have partnered with the College of Surgeons of East, Central, and Southern Africa to be part of their examination for their membership in the College of Surgeons and have been partnering with them internationally to use Entrust as an assessment platform and continue to collect ongoing validity evidence. Amazing. So in addition to Casexa, the Entrust team is also working with the University of Global Health Equity in Rwanda. Uh, to develop learning modules at the medical student level. Dr. Aliendi, can you tell us a bit about how you and UGHE got involved with Entrust? It was really through Dina Bebe Bekele, who who serves among his, his many hats. One of them is that he's the chair of the College of Surgeons of East Central, South Central and Southern Africa. He's the chair of the examinations committee. And so he's been working with, with Dana and working with uh, the rest of the team there on the Entrust platform, bringing it as an assessment plus platform for surgeons in the entire region. And, mm-hmm. um, from there, because he also doubles as the, the Dean of Medical School at UGHE and the Deputy Vice Chancellor at the time for Academics and Research. The, the team eventually saw that this could be beyond an assessment platform. It mm-hmm. could be an educational platform where, where people learn using the Entrust platform. So, mm-hmm. so, so basically, I think that was most personal connect and then seeing the opportunity of bringing this not just to assess people, 
but really to teach people and, and, and bring knowledge to others. So it, it's there's such sort of a jump there because we've been dealing with postgraduate assessment, but now it's being tailored for undergraduate development or education. And that's where Dr. Bronk and Tyler come in, if I have this right. You two are working to create 15 new cases on the Entrust platform as part of this new teaching initiative at UGAG. That's correct. And I should say that Tyler is the real workhorse, and I'm just sitting in the background and reviewing cases with him once he gets them accomplished. So I think Tyler should describe his process in going through and creating the cases. Yes, please do, Tyler. Uh, yeah, um, so they're really fun cases to you know to create. They're both yeah, ed- educational for myself <laughs> um, and excited for them to be used by a lot of medical school students in the future. Barnabas was kind enough to give us this list of 15 or 16 cases, really targeting what they, you know, surgical problems that they see there at UGHE. And we're sort of started down the list and tackling them one at a time. Cases uh, as simple as appendicitis, uh, ranging you know, perforations. So you're seeing all types of uh, general surgery cases. The process is is pretty simple. You sort of start with the literature review, case presentation. You know how it's you know typically worked up and um, and treated, both in the operating room and outside of the operating room, in the emergency department. And after the uh, the initial literature review is done, you sort of start filling out this Excel sheet. The trust platform is really there's a lot of data involved in it. Um, there's a lot of you know different things you can click. Uh, you can get involved in the physical exam. You can order labs. You can order imaging. Um, and ultimately, you can take the patient to wherever you deem they need to go, such as the operating room, um, the ICU, the ward. So there's a lot of data to be gathered. I mean, it takes a while to build the case, but I, I think the end result is something that's really, really valuable for the learner. And I hope that the students who eventually use the cases think so as well. Well, so tell me about this authoring platform. Are you writing code? I mean, is it more like a CMS where it's like WordPress and, you know, you're mm-hmm. dragging and dropping components? How does this work? Um, no, I'm definitely, I've, I have no background in coding. Um, so I'm very glad that the Entrust team has, has several engineers from UC Santa Cruz. They built the platform and they built the code and, and they built a really good background sort of site that I can easily use as someone who has zero background in coding. It's very intuitive. And, and the hope is eventually that that professors themselves at different institutions can create their own cases um, using this. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking in my head. I'm just like, this sounds like it would be easy to use for anyone once you kind of give them the the format. Exactly, exactly. And that's something that Dr. Lin and, and Dr. Lieber have done really, really well You know, with this team from, from UC Santa Cruz. Nice. Dr. Bronk, once Tyler creates these cases, what's the next step? What's your piece in this puzzle? Well, what we do is we sit down together um, virtually and go through the cases. And I take a look and see if Tyler's assumptions and his understandings of the cases match with mine. So obviously I've got clinical experience that Tyler doesn't have, and I can use that to help guide how we create the cases and make sure that they're consistent with how a clinician would operate. Now, having said that, obviously I'm operating in one kind of setting here at Stanford and the folks at UGHE are operating in a different setting. Right. And so it's really important for them to have the opportunity to review the cases as well, which is the next step along the way. So I'll review them with Tyler and we'll develop them to a certain point. And then we'll send them off to Barnabas and his team there and they'll take a look at them and make sure that 
the way we're looking at managing them from our perspective corresponds and comports with the way they would manage them in uh, Rwanda. And so how do you think that the platform is going to impact the learning at UGHE? In, in, in a thousand and one ways, um, people learn better hands-on and there's a science behind that. Mm-hmm. And so one, the, the fact that this is interesting, this is something that really draws learners in and teaches them beyond a, a, a chalkboard learning, etc. We, we, we believe that this is going to impact their learning by making it easier to retain, easier to move forward with. And then being that this is a medical school that works with a district hospital, we acknowledge fully that there may be some limitations in the number of cases or the type of cases that they see in this context. Butaro Hospital is, is, is largely, largely a cancer center for excellence. And so there may be a skew of cases in that direction. We've done some studies that show that. But with the entrance platform, they're able to see patients that they do not see. This is, this is simulation. They're able to see a wider range of patients that they can care for. So it's giving them opportunity to, to see quite a lot. It's also giving them an opportunity to, to be able to enjoy their learning. And then maybe one other thing I should mention is that in low middle income countries, when people come straight out of medical school, they are doing surgery. They're, they're, they're just out of medical school. They've not been through a residency. They are forced in situations to do surgery because we have a low um, surgeon, obstetrician, anesthesia, anesthetic density. And this is like an opportunity for them to begin to sharpen their skills, build themselves up to be able to do these interventions in, in a safe, effective way. So I think that it's addressing the, the needs of Sub-Saharan Africa. So we're starting at the University of the World Health Equity. There's, there's no telling where this, this can go. It will help to improve the workforce all across um, Sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah, definitely. This is such a great idea. I mean, I love that it started off with the EPAs and then now you know, it's really expanding and growing. Dr. Lin, maybe you can tell us where you see this project going in the future. I mean, it seems like the sky is the limit. Yeah, I think there are a lot of opportunities for interest to be applied both as an educational tool and also an assessment platform. Right now in the United States, the way general surgeons are board certified is through qualifying exam, which is a written exam, and a certifying exam, which is a oral-based exam, where interrogators would review case scenarios with the examinees and determine their readiness to be practicing independently. The certifying exam is mainly testing clinical decision-making. And Obviously, with oral board exams, that can be subject to bias and is very time and resource intensive. So an assessment platform like Entrust would be a great venue to be testing similar competencies in a very efficient manner. Awesome. And I think I remember from Dr. Holombo a couple of weeks ago at Grand Rounds, he was saying that all of those EPAs, they're going to start being required this coming summer for new general surgery students? 
Yes, yeah, so starting 2023, EPAs will be implemented as part of an initiative by the American Board of Surgery. And in their description of EPAs, trainees are expected not only to demonstrate operative autonomy and competency, but also they are expected to manage clinical decision-making scenarios, both pre-operatively and post-operatively. This is where Entrust can come in to really help teach and assess a trainee's clinical decision-making ability. Got it. I mean, it just sounds like so much fun and yet you're learning at the same time. I mean, this would be the best test ever, right? Yeah, I, I was just going to comment on the the wide utility of this platform that Drs. Lynn and Lieber created. It's useful as a testing tool for advanced candidates, but it's really useful as well for early students, and it would enhance learning in lots of dis- different settings, including at Stanford. We do clinical reasoning cases with our medical students, and this would be an ideal kind of platform for them to be able to use and engage with both independently and with a facilitator. So I I think it's got tremendous potential, and I can't applaud them enough for having come up with this concept and put it into use. I agree. It's so creative. So Mohammed, from your point of view, how do you see this continuing to travel the globe? Yeah, uh, actually, the vision Dr. Weiser has in directing our uh, global programs is to utilize all available resources and great ideas, great programs that are already here and involve them in our collaboration objectives. So when we first met, we had a meeting, a br- like a brainstorm with Dr. Abebe and Dr. Barnabas, and they highlighted that their uh, main objectives are so and so. And we thought that we can do, make that happen. And we uh, try to connect with all parties we, uh, and, and they express their willingness to join this project and make it happen. So we started it. It was really a great uh, effort from everyone. It's not easy to you know, organize this. Our role is just to organize the work between all parties and make all the connections with the different groups and but uh, we're we're managing to have like uh, monthly and sometimes weekly meetings and follow-ups and we're hoping that at the end of the day it will achieve the goals of uh, UGHE and Stanford global engagement programs as well so thanks for everyone for all their really great efforts here here i just wanted to add that this is uh, probably one of the steps in a long productive relationship with UGHE and other countries in the region of COSEXA. And we're aiming that maybe in the next year or two, this platform will be available for students in many places and all over the globe. Now it's already being used across the COSEXA region, particularly for COSEXA examinations of senior trainees. It's a matter of time that that will trickle down to become something that is used for educating them and for learning. And and since we're already developing a model here that can be used for undergraduate learning, it's happening at two ends. It becomes easier to bridge that gap. Um, So undergraduate schools across the Cossetsa region, in fact, and we also have links with with West African schools, etc. So across Sub-Saharan Africa, we can say, we'll be able to pick this up once it's piloted, tested, functional, and then it will also jump from educational at undergraduate level to 
um, to assessment at undergraduate level and move down from assessment at postgraduate level to educational at postgraduate level. So I, I think it has a lot of potential. And, and because it's starting at a medical school that also has some influence within the region, I think that it's going to move forward quickly. That's, that's what I see with interest. Yeah, I would add that, you know, coming from, you know, recent you know, medical school perspective, you're taught to do these questions and figure out the answer. But I think what Entrust does really well is it really forces you to think about the workup and the stabilization of the patient prior to the clinical course, you know, either in the OR or in the ward. And it's really interesting how you can order, for example, fluids or antibiotics mm-hmm. and, and really resuscitate the patient and, you know, watch their vital signs, you know, go from where they're about to die to stabilizing them in the matter of minutes watching the simulation platform. Definitely in a low pressure environment and you don't have to worry about running up a huge medical bill with tests that you don't need because you're learning and the tests are all virtual. Exactly. <laughs> Dr. Lin, one final question. Did you have any idea that this is what was going to happen when you apply for that first department seed grant? No, really. I only imagined that it would be used within the United States for surgical trainees. I thought there was possibility of expanding it to other types of specialties, even non-procedural specialties. But having learned about some of the resource limitations in these low to middle income countries and their great need for educational resources, this has given me a lot of joy to see it expand globally and to be able to benefit trainees around the world. Absolutely. Well, that brings us to the end of our first international episode of Scrubcast. I'd like to thank all of our guests for joining us and sharing their great work. If you like Scrubcast, we hope you'll tell your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Scrubcast is a production of Stanford University's Department of Surgery. Today's episode was produced by Rachel Baker. The music is by Midnight Rounds. And our chair is Dr. Mary Hahn.